Welcome to a podcast on fire on Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. And the Lucky Stars are back and they go on holiday. And there are also ladies to be hassled and occasionally an action movie appears in the flow of the wooing. It's Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars and here to discuss it uh, with me because I'm Kenny B and I always have someone with me. And uh, that very person is uh, my virtual commentary, commentary booth partner normally but now he's my virtual podcast booth partner and that is Eastern Film Fans. <laughs> Howdy y'all, I hope you're doing well, it's uh, good to be back in the chair. These are the chairs that uh, built the commentary empire, we did about uh, six of them in four years. <laughs> yeah, we did six in four years, that's an empire. Wow, well, you know, it's, 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 it's quality over quantity, Ken, quality. It's a brick at a time. So Indeed, indeed it is. Uh, okay, so we've, um, we've, uh, we've been here, not you and I, I'm not sure... If you were on the Winners and Sinners show, it's ages ago now. It's uh, 10 years ago at least. But um, you definitely didn't do the My Lucky Stars episode. But we're going to, for for this episode, sort of do a little summary of uh, what the series was about. uh, Share some brief views on the prior films. And then conclude it with uh, people say it's a trilogy. These films didn't stop. But it's it's the trilogy that I think people are a bit more fond of. These Free first films mainly because of cost, I suppose. Mainly because uh, this is a uh, Jackie Biu Biu and Sam Hung, uh, albeit uh, in a small part and all of that. Uh, so we go, we, maybe this is the end of the Lucky Stars uh, coverage. Who knows? But uh, this is the last big one, I, I think. Yeah. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. So let's uh, let's get going. So for all your podcast on fire network needs, go to podcastonfire.com. Back catalog of all podcast on fire episodes on that very website, and you can find us wherever. You find fine podcasts, uh, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and uh, all that uh, good stuff. Uh, I have a website. I don't write on it anymore, but it's uh, it's there for uh, for archive purposes. So goodreviews.com, reviewing Hong Kong and Taiwanese films, but uh, I still write. I'm very much actively writing, and I put that mainly up on my social media. Twitter, Facebook, I have a letterbox as well. I'm called So Good Reviews on Letterbox. Are you on Letterbox, Phil? We never plug these things. I am on Letterbox. <laughs> well, how many years have we working together? It was just us, something really random. But uh, yes, I, ne- I, I never look at what other people do on their <laughs> socials. I just want people to adore me. Exactly. Yeah, don't care about you. Um, I'm sure we might be friends on there, Ken. You never know and stuff. But yeah, it's one of those that I just drop things on, just a reminder to go, yeah, I have watched that. Watched that many films. Sometimes I go, have I not seen this before? Yeah, that, that's how many films I watch. Um, so, yeah, I just drop them on there as just nicely reminders. Sometimes I write a mini review on there. But, yeah, I, I, I am on there, Ken. Are you Eastern Film fans or Phil G or commentary fame uh, Phil, Philip uh, Gillen? Or what's, what's your <laughs> yeah, handle? I should change it to commentary famous Phil G. Phil G, Eastern Film fans. Yeah, I think I'm uh, something like that. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll link to it. Though, cause, uh, it just occurred to me that that's a more of a modern film, film-like social media. So we... Yeah, should, should put it on there. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll put all social media links uh, up on in the show post, including for Eastern Film Fans, including for Eastern Film Fans' uh, YouTube channel with uh, the unboxing uh, video. He's doing what the kids do nowadays. He's unboxing stuff. He's, in, he's even on TikTok, <laughs> the man. I don't know how he finds the time to be uh, this um Well, you, uh, you know, and, and just as a segue into that, I'm watching stuff because... 
we've got a little sequence called uh, Is It Suitable for Jacks? And that's kind of a, a parental rating things. And um, every every episode, we see if it's suitable for Jacks. There hasn't been one yet, um, which is quite humorous. Um, we have a little face come up crying. Um, so look out for that and stuff, because you never know. We might get some that are suitable for Jacks. So uh, there's a reason to watch it, if nothing else. So we'll um, we'll get into it. We're going to take a music break, listen to a little ditty from Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, and then we'll be back to um, discuss the background, uh, recap our brief views on the first two films in the um, Unconnected series content. Well, it's a little bit uh, connected and unconnected at the same time, and then uh, do some uh, trivia and stuff, and then uh, do a re- review after that. So it's a packed episode, only one film, and uh, we'll see you in 30 seconds or so. And welcome back, and the film that we are going to discuss this episode is Twinkle and Twinkle Lucky Stars from 1985, and plot from IMDb, the Lucky Stars are on vacation in Pattaya, Thailand. They are told to contact an informant there, but he gets murdered. They return to Hong Kong uh, to contact his girlfriend and protect her. Three other colleagues, Jackie Chan, Andy Lau and Jim Bu, are busy fighting criminals. Very much separately <laughs> from the Lucky Stars. Uh, so, our original episodes on Winners and Sinners and My Lucky Stars really had no background information because we, we usually just launched into our review at that time. Nowadays, I try to fill stuff with uh, some contextual uh, information and background and trivia uh, so let's uh, do what we didn't do back then let's recap how we got from winners and sinners to twinkle twinkle lucky stars and uh, how many in the loosely connection action comedy series that followed because um, there were more than three so part of this uh, initial very successful series uh, twinkle twinkle lucky stars was film um, number three but originally in 1983's Winners and Sinners, this ensemble of Sammo Hong, also director, Richard Um, Stanley Fong, Charlie Chin and John Chum, they were ex-cons initially in Winners and Sinners that reformed by starting their own cleaning company. Also, the film featured Jackie Chan. The formula was a winning one, a winning one action comedy. From a box office perspective, it earned 21 million Hong Kong dollars and won Best Action Choreography at the 1984 Hong Kong Film Awards. So that was Winners and Sinners. Uh, We followed up uh, these adventures uh, with the gang uh, in 1985 with the film My Lucky Stars. John Shum exited the series and Eric Tsang was added to a core ensemble that were now seemingly different characters. Uh, Samo was no longer teapot but kid stuff. And that translation, by the way, has been changed slash cleaned up since then. More more on that later. Uh, Richard M was no uh, was no longer windpipe, but Sandy Stanley Fong was called ranks in Winners and Sinners now rawhide. But it was still action and comedy oriented, with a steady element of uh, wanting to woo the leading lady. So politically correct, these films are definitely not. Uh, by the second film, therefore, the characters no, lang- no longer ran a cleaning company, uh, but they were instead hired to assist the police. Plus, Jackie Chan and Yoon Byu turned up in guest roles. Uh, uh, and this film, My Lucky Stars, was a success to the tune of 30 million Hong Kong dollars. Uh, and did this time, 
you know, seeing those receipts and knowing that, oh yeah, we definitely need to do another one. But they didn't wait another two years to get it off the ground. So after the summer, that uh, that summer of 1985, we got Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. Uh, it came out uh, quite quickly and uh, all the guys were here, including uh, Jackie and Yoon Byu, uh, reprising their characters. Bell Hu was back as Inspector Wu Bawa or Empress Flower. Plus, a young Andy Lau and uh, Richard uh, Norton saying hello to the Hong Kong film was added to, to this uh, cast, this adventure. And the film series bagged another 28 million, nearly 29 million on release in 1985. So that was that was successful for Samo in 1985. 30 million, boom, a few months later, nearly 30 million again. So someone must have been happy with uh, what Samo produced uh, box office wise clearly they shouldn't stop doing these like it's like printing money the lucky stars uh, movie so 1986's lucky stars go places had cameos from the main lucky stars gang but we essentially got a new set of uh, oogling lecherous guys including kent cheng alan tam andy lao but uh, the world merged that that world merged with the aces go places series because carl macca and sylvia chang reprised their roles from that successful Cinema City series of action comedies. No Sam Hoy, but still, those were core um, core uh, cast members. So two hot properties, new faces, combined for another 23 million Hong Kong dollars in 1986 at the box office. We've done that film um, as part of the Alan Tam series. Uh, was not fond of it at all, uh, to be honest, very much not fond of it. I was fond of the Sam Hoong Carl Macca film, the go, you know, the, the, the Sam Hoong Go Places film if you will <laughs> uh, that was excellent but um, the rest not so much uh, along the way series regular Charlie Chin exited he's not in Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars that much so he handed off reins to actor Michael Mew and uh, he was still on board when the gang made Return of the Lucky Stars in 1988 and for this one we didn't have Sammo Hong so that, that was a major change up uh, but in 1992's Ghost Hunting. Uh, Sammo Hung and Charlie Chin got into the fray again, but public interest wasn't as large anymore as it only made 8 million Hong Kong dollars at the, at the local box office in 1992. So, you know, f- formula can't uh, be sustained for forever and ever in a new decade and all of that. Uh, the gang minus Charlie Chin, but again we've added Michael Mew, also made the final installment, How to Meet the Lucky Stars in 1986. This was conceived as a benefit film for director Law Wei, the director of The Big Boss and Feast of Fury, who had passed away in January of that year. It made about two million, but hopefully the money went to good use in the wake of his passing, despite them. Uh, at one time it looked like that Samo was reviving the Lucky Stars gang or the formula for Return of the Lucky Stars, same name as the 1988 film he wasn't in. It was also announced as Legend of the Pearl, with himself returning to the, to the director's chair, starring alongside Tony Leung, Ka Fai, Eddie Peng, and, De- and Detective D's Mark Chow. So they didn't get the original Detective D. <laughs> Detective D. And, you know, <laughs> uh, no old faces other than Samo was listed in the cast. Uh, but, um, and, 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 and sadly by this point, though, uh, Richard M has uh, passed away. So, uh, but my, uh, my point is tying this all up. This isn't out. It was reported to have started shooting in 2018, but it's on hold due to finance issues. Uh, and who knows what the pandemic did to the momentum of this production if it's uh if it's ever going to be resumed or not uh, 
not sure the world is craving it. It needs to have an action stamp of note, I think, to gain interest, especially in the West. But um, who knows if this... Uh, and also, who knows what, what Sam was doing with the film. You know, it's not like, we're going back to Thailand. I, I don't know. <laughs> it would have been nice to, to revisit, you know, for, for old times. Sake. And sometimes they do work going back, especially that length of time since watching, you know, them but it would have to be something it would have to have the nods to it it would have to bring as much of the cast back that you could um sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't you know it would from a nostalgia value it would be fantastic look you know if we all back on about it'd be great to see you know samo jackie in a film together you know even if they're just you know it would be and we'd be banging on for years and stuff and it never quite turned out for this that and the other and stuff so that would be great but you know, I can't, I can't see it happening at this juncture. I have to say, we'll see what happens indeed. But uh, it's on Hong Kong Movie Database. But uh, do note that it's seemingly not in production uh, currently. So, uh, going back a little to inspirations of um, when they decided to create the series in the first place, the Chinese title for Winners and Sinners is translated as Five Lucky Stars, and that was reportedly evoking the Lucky Seven, i.e., the Seven Little Fortunes opera troupe that Sam or Jackie Chan, Yun Bu, etc., performed in as um, students of the China Drama Academy. But Sam was appointed towards the getting in the idea from watching an older TV show about a group of police officers with different backgrounds and skills and used that as a leap-off point for the Lucky Stars gang, giving them hopefully entertaining skills and backgrounds that would work for, for the film, and it certainly did commercially. So that's the background of it all. We're going to stop right now a little bit at the original two to reshare our opinions, if you will, of Winners and Sinners and My Lucky Stars to give you a little through line listeners of uh, what we think of these first uh, three entries. So if we start at Winners and Sinners, and for my uh, brief opinion, again, it was the first in a series of audience-friendly uh, action comedies uh, from and involving Sammo Hong and a gang of John Jones, Stanley Fung, Richard M, and Charlie Chin. And although most of the cast would come back... Uh, the, you know, the first Lucky Stars gang was, was established here. The characters would change in the next film, as I said. But I'm saying all of that because despite the 105-minute long running time, Samohun crafts great enjoyment out of the first film. Uh, the actors are fun and uh, they're, they're very era-specific, but that, that, that's a very comfortable thing. Uh, so they're very fun to watch. And he mixes it with uh, hard action every now and again. So all of this being familiar is still exceptional exceptionally skillful and the chemistry is uh, is very good you know the, the, the performer banter and gags doesn't seem like they're vastly different to other hong kong action comedies but it still works it's very enjoyable and yes this film also has the continual joke of the gang trying to woo the leading lady of choice but that became rather off-putting in the later movies here samuel makes it oddly pleasant to follow and especially since it's Sherry Chung that they're all after. But he and Sherry Chung have rather sweet scenes after the initial burst of the entire gang wanting her. His character isn't that lecherous, to be fair. And their scenes uh, are very enjoyable. And of course, the comedic spotlight expectedly goes to Richard M, who successfully 
rather unsuccessfully <laughs> studies invisibility and that leads to a nude scene with him st- behind strategically placed objects uh, walking around the room uh, waving his dick in dick in the front of everyone's faces essentially thinking he's invisible thinking he's achieved his goal and it's a marvelous scene and again jackie chan appears in support in a couple of uh, career highlight moments including on roller skates mid traffic <laughs> so very enjoyable clearly the best film amongst these three or what do you think Phil? close to it yeah I, I think one is and sinners was one of these that, that grew on me it was one when i first picked up and was like uh jackie chan's on the front cover got it from the video store why is he not in it much what was the rest of these clowns that that kind of that was the first impression of the film because obviously they promoted it as a jackie chan film and He's not he's not the main star of the film. He comes into it in, in guest spots. But actually revisiting it years later, I come to appreciate it because I knew the cast more and the comedic elements more. Um and it and it works really well. And and Richard is just is fantastic throughout these films and the invisibility things are hilarious. But the, the, you know, the book is called Guide to Invisibility, <laughs> which I don't know to this day is if that's the joke or if it's a mistake. But he's the real winner. Um, out of the sinners in this um, and, and you know, revisiting God bless his soul, some of his stuff uh, quite recently again it was, uh, it's, it's a joy I mean that scene, the take on the uh, Charlie Chaplin one, you know, the boxing that he, when he puts up and he goes goes around the the guy and, and does the the boxing. Yes, yes, it's uh, it's Yunwa. He's, he he um, he um, lays out the Yunwa after yeah, that exactly. comedic bit. Lays out Yunwa and stuff. Is is an absolute pearl. I mean, you know, like I say, it's a uh, it's a Charlie Chaplin thing and stuff, but he does it so well. I mean, it's 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 brilliant. There are bits in that film that you come to appreciate when you revisit again, and John Sham as well is great in it, and he adds to it and stuff, and it does. When I when I revisited it much years later, I had a much fonder memory of it, um, and the action sequences were, you know, absolutely fantastic in it as well. So, yeah, it's it's probably close to my favourite as a film in its entirety of the series. I would say, um, Winners and Sinners, which is probably a turnaround um, from me first seeing it to obviously seeing it on multiple occasions now. So, yeah. So two years later, we got My Lucky Stars, and uh, as for my short opinion, uh, Sam Hung does not replicate the comedic magic of Winners and Sinners for my money's worth, but he makes more money, so the formula is still working, clearly. Uh, shot partly in Japan, and uh, framing it around Yun Bu's undercover agent being kidnapped, and Jackie Chan asking his co- his old friend, Kid Stuff, uh, played by Sam and again, it's a different character. And uh, he asks him to help out on the case. And then the womanizing lecturers, uh, Lucky Stars crew, also turn up. Uh, Charlie Chin, Stanley Fong, Richard M, and uh, Eric Tsang, uh, who's uh, the John Shum replacement, if you will. John isn't in this film. Uh, adequate car stunts uh, are there initially. And uh, the focus to get the plot in motion. Uh, but things turn rather slow and stale as Samuel tries to rely on the light entertainment factor involving perverts. That doesn't work for me. The chemistry is lacking all of a sudden and therefore the gags fall flat. Aside from a few moments of Richard mm, genius as he tries to learn ESP. So they continue <laughs> that thread. Samo and his team craft some trademark powerful action, action and that makes those sequences memorable. But does not elevate the film overall. Um, it's a bit um, tiring to wait for the good stuff. Innovation and creativity was in, in the action but not with the Lucky Stars gang comedically. Um, mm. that's my problem with this uh, series, the, the the second and third film. There's some marvelous and hard exchanges in, in the finale between Samuel and Lao Ga Wing and him laying out Nishiwaki Michiko in one punch 
ranks as an iconic action highlight. It's very it's a very surprising thing considering how they build up that potential fight. Mm-hmm. And then Samo lays her out in one go. <laughs> It's brilliant. Um, so Malak um represented a downturn for me, for the worst. What did you think of Malak Stars? You know, again, did you like a Jackie Chan film? I've got the video cover. Surely he's gonna be, gonna be in it this time. I got it. He's iconic tracksuit, fairly tracksuit. He's on the front cover. There's a Jackie Chan film. He's not in it again. And what is going on with these Jackie Chan films every <laughs> leaks on big box VHS video and stuff from the store? But you're getting into the roots of it. Now, for my lucky stars, probably some of my favourite action in there and stuff, because you forget Jackie Chan is probably at the pinnacle of his athletic prowess in these films. Because we're talking around, you know, Project A, Wheels on Mills, you know, my lucky stars. He is... You know, the flips he does are just, oh, it's just magnifique. Climbing, climbing a Ferris wheel and stuff like that. Yeah, and, the, yeah, jumping out, just just leaping from, you know, things he just take for, just so it looks so easy and makes it look so easy. He is because he's just, like I say, at the pinnacle. And therefore, the action sequences that, you know, Samo put together, they're fantastic. And, you know, that end sequence of stuff is still one of my favourite end fight scenes and stuff. And they do it, you know, kind of this fun house, this hover place and you know this carnival it's a fantastic setting if you'd taken that and put it in any other decent film it probably would have been a cracking film but you're right the film doesn't gel together when the the three of them are together and and yimbu even with his horrendous jumper and um jackie and samo and stuff they're fantastic i mean it's it, it is fantastic to see them but anything else just it doesn't work for me again written and he's fantastic with the this time it's telekinesis, and again he steals it from a comedic point of view. But it doesn't, it doesn't have the same flavour that Winners and Sinners does. But from an action point of view, boy, you need to watch it if you've not seen it, because you know Jackie is on fire in this. To be fair, I very much agree. It's just hard to wait for that good stuff, yes. and and you're kind of annoyed that it's placed in this particular film. <laughs> to be honest, it's a very separate element because it's not like the the lucky stars of the stars of the action. Uh, they 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 don't uh, put Eric Tsang in there and then craft a doubling job out of that. So okay, we'll get to Twinkle Twinkle Luck Stars in a bit. But the late Richard mm, was interviewed for a UK DVD release of that film, and I thought I'd share some remarks about uh, him working on the series from uh, his perspective. Uh, that same interview is on the Eureka Blu-ray of the film as uh, as one of the archival extras. Uh, Richard worked at uh, TVB. He was recruited as a writer for the Hoy Brothers TV series. Uh, occasionally when an actor was needed outside of the three, uh, uh, Ricky, Sam, Michael, they called on Richard to appear. This led to film appearances with them. He's in The Private Eyes, for instance. Uh, led to his own TV show, even. Boho Films uh, had a panel, too, of writers uh, brainstorming ideas behind closed doors. And one of those ideas was for the Lucky Stars film films. It was a uh, formula, but uh, they weren't sure the Lucky Stars could, uh, could bring it home on their own comedically. So that's why Jackie Chan was brought in, for instance, to ensure commercial value at the time, even for the first film. Uh, because that, that could also trigger interest uh, elsewhere. That, that It would end up on a big box UK VHS and fool viewers like young, impressionable Philip. I think you need to... <laughs> it was a Jackie Chan film. Yes. 
uh, because uh, there he is with his helmet and his uh, in his uh, <laughs> yellow uh, yellow tracksuit yeah. or whatever. Uh, but 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 yeah, uh, the the Western markets were were, were big for, for for Jackie, but also the Japanese market would would buy anything with uh, Jackie Chan. So they 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 knew that a combination of uh, comedy and action would probably be sellable elsewhere. But the five were uh, established, though. They weren't forgotten amidst the action. They were the stars of the film. It was not like they edited out the lucky stars for, for Western purposes or anything like that. So talking about making the film, you know, being on set, Richard said making this type of comedy with these people were akin to laughing every day, all day. It was a really good time. It, were all, it was also quite a spontaneous way of working. Uh, there, there was not a script with finished gags, which wouldn't surprise anyone knowing anything about Hong Kong films, that there isn't a finished script. But despite a full comedy gang, Dan Le Fong, for instance, an actor Michael Mew, who came in via Twinkle Twinkle, they were considered more serious actors. So it wasn't all it wasn't all clowns here with uh, comedy experience, necessarily. Uh, having no script and collaborating on the spot, as uh, Richard talked of, that meant long shooting, because a lot of the time was kind of wasted trying to come up with it all, to work things out. So they really were kind of improvising this stuff. Uh, the idea of the scene was in the script, but the details had to be worked out. Uh, and he says, for instance, Eric Tsang, was such a fast thinker, he could spit out ideas and projects as a person and on these sets. But uh, then he would often uh, leave it to others to complete, not that he was lazy. But uh, he didn't always carry them through, he didn't always finalize things. So he needed people around him to start finalizing things and uh, tie the knot on a project. Actor John Chung, well, he was very educated in literature, political science, he was active at political protests from a young age, as well as... Uh, protests against the Tiananmen Square massacre, uh, which led to John being blacklisted to a degree by China. And his casting in Winners and Sinners was more of a mistake, because uh, he was cast for looking funny. No one looked as strange as John. But acting, people didn't seem to know this, that acting was something John Shum didn't enjoy. And Richard said that when they worked together at times, it was a chore for John to get there to get there comedically, so direction had to boil down to copying Samuel's movements, and even that was hard. And you wouldn't know that from watching John in films, because it seems like he was built for comedy. He does, didn't he? Exactly. It's strange, isn't it? Like, listening to it and understanding it and getting a bit of insight into them, because you would, he's just, he just fits that mould, you know, you see him, you're smiling already when you see him on screen, so... It's 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 interesting to hear that you know we struggled from that side, and he, and he did the pom pom films with Richard yeah, as yeah. well, playing a yeah. complete child of a character. Yeah. So, I mean, he, uh, he 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 got through it somehow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Stanley Fung as well, he was political, very argumentative, emotional, volatile. So, you know, they had a mixture of. Uh, serious and uh, more natural comedic personas here that gathered together for this then successful uh, uh, formula. Richard talked about Sammo working again without a script, storyboard, shot list, he kept it all in his head, uh, but he was thinking editing first, you know, he had seen a scene in his mind and, uh, you know, he's talking about action scenes, I think, in all honesty, and he, he saw the scenes all the way to an editing point of view before even sitting down to start uh, to edit. Uh, so uh, when he is in that mode, Richard said that Samo is not wasting time. He is not doing anything he doesn't need to. Need to. He's not doing master shots, for instance, and uh, when doing action, which is, uh, of course, uh, 
a known fact for Hong Kong action. They uh, do it in bits and pieces and carry on and carry on rather than doing it all in a master shot or whatever. Uh, so that's a skill to keep it all uh, in your head to have that uh, vision for action. So Richard also said that uh, they were all present during the action scenes uh, because they could be spontaneous uh, their appearances. They didn't know when they were going to be brought in for a little bit. So they could be there for a week or two weeks, three weeks, uh, just in case they were all present for for someone schedule-wise because they had work elsewhere. Probably it worked out that they could uh, be present on one set even though being, they were being inactive. Uh, the five names in Chinese were uh, of the lucky stars. They were names of ingredients in Chinese herbal medicine uh, in the first film. Uh, jokes were also structured around Cantonese wordplay mixed with visual gags. And uh, Richard credits uh, writer Barry Wong for having a handle in, on each character and writing in tune with them. So uh, I was talking about the names that were changed up uh, from prior translations to the current translation. So by now... In the current translation, this is what the characters are known by, and there's no way I'll ever remember this. So Samo Hong plays in uh, the second and third film. Franklin Greens. Richard M plays Big Ren Mania. Charlie Chin plays Yankee Ginseng. Uh, Stanley Fung is Rhino Hide. Eric Tsang is Monk Fruit. And Michael Mew is Pagoda Cake. Uh, and uh, finally, from uh, actor Richard Norton's perspective, because he was also interviewed for the DVD release, and that archival interview, quite a long one too, is uh, carried over to the Eureka Blu-ray, so it's worth uh, checking out. Uh, we've also talked with Richard about uh, his experiences working in Hong Kong cinema on this very show. But he came from a background in martial arts, bodyguarding and security. He toured the world with the music's uh, biggest stars, including ABBA, Sweden, Sweden represent. Uh, he was a personal trainer. Uh, uh, but he had also set off Richard Norton on an acting career via Chuck Norris. He was training with him and he was around uh, when the Octagon, the octagon was being set up and Chuck knew Richard had a lot of expertise with Okinawan weapons there was ninjutsu in the movie and they needed someone who could handle these weapons plus Richard had experience with the Sai weapons so he was quite uh, proficient with them uh, he was therefore cast as Kiao plus other characters who die in the film that are masked and uh, what have you so uh, Richard has a kill count in that film not just his character but he, he dies as several people in the octagon this all led to appearing in Force 5 for director Robert Klaus, uh, training uh, with Benevigeto Urquides. Uh, he expanded his martial arts training to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, and via Pat Johnson, who had worked with Jackie, Jackie Chan, on the big brawl, aka Battle Creek brawl, who knew Richard abilities, Richard's abilities. His name came up as someone that could be used in one of Jackie Chan's films. And uh, Richard first got that call while on tour with Linda Ronstadt and he couldn't do it short dated. He was there for a couple of months still. Uh, he, he was in Japan when they made that call, but he still couldn't. Uh, he still couldn't abandon his current uh, his current task. Uh, so he was called for apparently Wilson Meals at that point. So <laughs> they probably had to fly him out to Spain, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and not to Hong Kong. Uh, so uh, he couldn't do it. But eventually, Wilson Meals got its Western fighting cast in the form of Keith Vitali and Benny Urquidez. So it kind of worked out, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great exposure for Keith Vitali versus Yoon Bu, and obviously Benefit Jet versus, uh, versus Jackie is all classic stuff, so that film wasn't uh, depleted of uh, of Western talent. They sure got something that made that movie smashing. So. They did, yeah, they did indeed. But another call came in, they didn't uh, throw, throw away Richard from the Rolodex or, any, uh, Rolodex or anything. So 
this time for Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, he was approached again and he knew nothing of what fi- Hong Kong filmmaking was like, you know, from structure on the set uh, to fighting style, how fights are shot and what, and what have you. And Richard sat around waiting for three weeks uh, to do anything, but eventually he got to do some smaller fight scenes, including with Jackie, who was at the time burdened with a shoulder injury from a movie he was working on simultaneously which certainly doesn't show up. He looks uh, quite good in the film, Jackie. The big fight, however, was with Samo and uh, towards the end of the film. And here they were shooting three, week, three weeks straight, eight and a half hours a day in a blistering hot Golden Harvest studio with no air conditioning. And that led to like an 18-pound weight loss for Richard Norton at the time. So, uh, yeah, you got to keep uh, track of uh, what your body is doing and uh, to have the stamina to, to go up against Samo for a couple of weeks straight. That, that That's an experience, all right. But, you know, uh, it's not that it's not that it's, oh, it's warm. You know, when you go up against Samo... The fighting is full on as well so that depletes your energy and it was pretty much full contact including facial contact to a degree it, t- it takes a lot out of you as richard norton said he knew nothing really of samuel's abilities as such uh, but uh, he was instructed at one point to swing at his feet and samuel said i'm gonna do a half somersault off this table and land on my feet and he nailed that a dozen times. And I think Richard, he, he wasn't like, look at that fat guy, but he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know. And so his, his perception changed of the big fellow at that point. That was Sam Hung, yeah, because he probably didn't know he had an opera background and had uh, physical abilities and uh, the acrobat was still in him. Uh, so what a wonderful surprise. For the uppercut to his jaw, uh, to Richard's jaw, he put some cotton wool in his teeth, just in case, because um, he needed to protect himself. I think it was contact to a degree you know and it's a close-up shot so you they probably needed to have a bit of contact the sidekick was trying as well uh, on the body and samo ran up to him at a distance to get uh, the full power uh, as someone would with, with a kickboxing background he didn't mind those hits though and he was in good shape and he, he was able to take uh, this power and impact and Doing so well in the film, Richard Norton, this likely led to further jobs in Hong Kong. Um, if you weren't up to the task, you wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't get another call for Magic Crystal or Millionaire's Express or what have you. So um, it, it really, he really impressed on his first, uh, his first outing there. The phrase he has, he has a couple of lines. He's, he's, he isn't just a silent uh, baddie, Richard. Uh, the phrase "painful" came from Samo as a little comedic button. And that stuck for multiple films and something people say to Richard uh, to this uh, day. And it's a line he dubbed himself as well, as, uh, as well as several other lines during that scene. So that, that's Richard's voice even on the Cantonese um, track of the film. We, we, we have a theme here, but by the way, so before we, we get to the actual film review, was it the same with Twinkle Twinkle, like picking up the video box, Jackie Chan this time, he's not going to fail me. <laughs> and he's not in it that much again. Or what do you remember about picking up Twinkle Twinkle if, if you did pick it up back in the day on VHS? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was the same kind of preconception and stuff. You know, I I, I never learn. I, I never learn. But you know, I, I think I've become to appreciate. And I can't remember whether I actually saw them in in any particular order because they come out and stuff. But obviously, you know, Jackie was prominent. His face was on it. Yimbu was there, and, and Samo again. The three of them they they've gotten on at this point that they, they sell. So once again, you run down and see, and then you're like, once again, you're like, they're not in it for that long. But, you know, Samo makes up for it because, you know, he's in the, the bulk of the film and gets the, the bulk of the fights. I think with me, 
it was always that kind of we'll watch anything with Jackie in anyway. And at that point in time, you know, also Sam Hung was on the list of, you know, favourites, you know, and Yumbi was on the list of favourites, the trio between them, who'd watch anything with them in. So, you know, just happy to see them on the screen. So from that point of view, it's fantastic. And they all get a moment. So, yeah, you'd, yeah we had appreciated it. We'd gotten onto it by that point and stuff. We weren't, you know, we go, okay, fine, fine. We, we're not always going to be. We were a little bit more... We'd gear up and know now that actually Jackie's not the main role, that, you know, that actually, you know, we'd, we'd find out the information. No, there was no uh, internet at the time and stuff. It was probably dial-up at that point and stuff. So it was word of mouth and, you know, and, and chatting with friends and, you know, and, and and that kind of stuff that we were doing to, to find out these things. So it was just fantastic that they were releasing these and we'd, we'd seen them. So at the time and stuff, you know, we just, yeah, it was great. And, yeah, once again, it's it's a return to that kind of film, I guess. But yeah, from a, from a UK point of view, they were, they were selling Jackie Chan full on. Uh, so finally, before we get to the film review, uh, one of the um, exclusives to the Eureka Blu-ray in the UK was that we get a, uh, another version of the film of the disc as well. They provided the, uh, it, it, it had been in circulation before, but they provided the Taiwanese extended version of Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars that was then edited down to the, Hong Kong, uh, the Hong Kong release. Uh, so that version runs about 10 minutes longer with uh, the most of its biggest extensions and alternates coming in the first half. And again, you can watch this in the supplemental section of the UK Blu-ray from, from a decent looking print as well. Uh, not as not as freshly restored as the main version, but uh, it's uh, it's still uh, in some sort of K, you know. So it's not standard definition. It's a high def version of the film. So I, I thought I'd just uh, single out a couple of the differences here. Uh, but we'll link to the movie-censorship.com report of the film that has uh, il- uh, images to go along with the explanations, what is longer and so forth. Uh, and so, for instance, the opening with stock footage of nuclear bombs and space shuttles that are being launched, etc. That's 40 seconds longer in Taiwan, so they, they extend that joke for a little bit. Uh, uh, the, yes, that is a joke, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Nuclear bombs, that's funny. One of the main differences in the early going, the serving of breakfast, uh, that scene is different in each version. Yeah. In Hong Kong, it's completely different. In Taiwan, it's completely different. So they filmed a couple of uh, different things and simply put one uh, version in uh, in Taiwan and one version in Hong Kong. And I'm not sure it's like tailored locally necessarily. It's just that, that they filmed a couple of uh, different uh, things and uh, made use of them. So in Hong Kong, Charlie Chin offers the boys uh, Pepsi during the breakfast uh, table scene. Uh, and as the boys arrive at breakfast, all the lucky stars, they live together. They open the bottles with their mouths and I hate that, by the way. That gets me so like, ugh. like it, it, it's one of those like uh, that, that that gets me sort of my skin crawls. Oh, opening bottles with your mouth. Okay. Uh, so they open the bottles with their mouths, and soda goes everywhere, especially on pagoda cake, played by Michael Mew. So it's very short in Hong Kong and uh, in Taiwan, though this sequence runs about three minutes versus one minute in Hong Kong. And in Taiwan, Charlie Chin comes in to serve breakfast to the guys and tells Michael Mew, his uh, his uh, his uh, trainee, that it's his job from now to, and he has to learn what uh, breakfast each guy likes. And they go through each dish with the eggs and set the table, uh, asking about uh, Charlie's preference. Uh, he says. I like all types of eggs. So they take half from each plate to make up 
his plate. Uh, Charlie tastes his eggs though, but spits it out and berates Michael for doing it wrong. He, uh, he sends him off, tries a second plate, but that is also awful, and, uh, and then brings a knife uh, uh, into the kitchen and off to Michael. <laughs> so uh, we then cut to all six lucky stars at the breakfast table. Michael is shown as being stabbed. And they talk about uh, if um, he's uh, his blood brother. They talk about different ways to kill someone, like with poison. And uh, and then he uh, springs to life. And they talk about Michael Muse's pagoda place in, in the gang, how he's going to be accepted, what rules need to be followed. And they enter Grace's position. They, uh, they ask for a blessing of the breakfast by our Lord. They sing a song about breakfast. And then they throw everything at Michael. And, and they cap it with Charlie advising him not to speak that much to his brothers. So it's a longer sequence in Taiwan, but a completely different one. So uh, that's one of the big ones. During the bus ride, uh, when they're in Thailand, uh, and they're on the same uh, bus as the girls, they have a tour guide that Anthony Chan plays, I believe. After they react to how long it's going to take, the guys fool around with their seats. So they bother the ladies. They're such children. Jesus. Uh, they, they're trying to get them to play moving games uh, uh, but but they are turned down and one of the girls leaves for the toilet the guys follow they wait outside the toilet De- jesus this is so bothersome and they, they talk about wanting to see uh, who she touches when she's done trying to pass them in that narrow hallway uh, if you will outside of the toilet when she's trying to squeeze by all of the guys they all try and lean on her and they're very happy about what what just happened that they, they, we scored and then another girl wants to pass and she elbows one of them in the stomach and they all return to their seats and the, the scene ends with Sam Hung sitting next to Sibel Hu trying to casually grab her hand because he thinks uh, they're still romantically involved and uh, in the Hong Kong film it turns out um, that uh, she has some sad messages for him a, a sad note about their romantic involvement uh, so it's about an 80 second uh, scene there on the bus previously uh, Sibel who's uh, Empress Flower has said in the Hong Kong edit that she only got close to Samo because of the case with uh, with muscles uh, in the previous film uh, in Taiwan there's an additional scene where Samo goes to see Sibel asking if she ever loved him uh, he uses the frog kissed by a prince story since he's, uh, since he's seen a frog by his feet before which confuses her as, she, as he talks about love and what have you and it's like a minute uh, longer sequence and finally uh, the biggest extension after the cracking uh, warehouse fight that concludes with uh, Jackie Chan, Andy Lau and Yun Biu Andy Lau, Jackie, Sibel Hu and Yun Biu uh, meet with their superior played by uh, Walter Cho they outline that the three killers they are after all are already in Hong Kong. You know, Richard Norton, Chung Fat, uh, Yasuaki Kurata. Walter shows a, sli- a slide of suspects that look nothing like Richard Norton and crew. <laughs> and, uh, and Walter says his friends loaded up the wrong photos. Uh, and uh, so that doesn't uh, work. And, and they are, in fact, his uh, uh, friends that are in Hong Kong for a marksman competition but they are not to be confused with killers even if they turn up with guns uh, they discuss the target the actual target and that the police uh, should uh, uh, protect him uh, andy and jackie are assigned to protect the target the second female target is discussed and that the empress flower should impersonate her yun Bu objects to be to her being chosen because they're involved uh, but they're they are all ordered to get this operation going. They they are informed that it that this is top secret. This quartet is the only one that knows it. But then the room is lit up and it's a massively attended briefing. So it's a, it's a nice little cap to it. But that two minutes was cut out of the Hong Kong version as well. So making some tough choices, perhaps. You know. 
but uh, the movie needed to be a bit snappier in Hong Kong rather than over 100 minutes as it is in Taiwan. So there's a few examples of uh, the Taiwanese version that you can watch on the UK Blu-ray. Gonna hand over to Phil now. What do you think of Twinkle and Twinkle Lucky Stars? Third time the charm kind of thing? Third time Lucky? Look, you know, I this, um, by this point it was getting a little bit tiresome but the um, action makes up for it and that warehouse scene and stuff. And we talk about, you know, you know I love my action. And we talk about the wheels on Mel's and, and we talk about the, the Project A's and we and talk about the police stories. But that warehouse scene in Twinkle Twinkle, my God, that's so good. And probably the first time I saw Andy Lau and it was like, I didn't know that he wasn't really a martial artist, but he's tight. You know, he's got some kind of karate kind of kata going on. It works really well for him. He looks good. Yeah, there's some scenes that are clearly doubled with him. But, you know, Yimbi obviously knocks it out of the park with his athletic ability. I mean, it's fantastic and stuff. The, uh, the kicks that he does and the... Um, the jumps and the flips, it, it looks fantastic. So those kind of things pip it up for me. But it, at this point and stuff, I was, I'd gone past caring about the characters. Yeah, you know, Richardum again is fantastic this time. It's voodoo, you know, he steals it again for me from the comedian point of view. I do have a chortle at those, but you know, it all for me was about the action and getting to it. And you know, obviously, once you get to that, and Richard Norton again fantastic friend of the show friend of ken's also is fantastic in the film adds and elevates it but it's all about getting to the the fight scenes for me and it's wearing a little bit thin at this point even though obviously john Chan comes back as well and it's always great to see him on the screen um so yeah probably for for me and stuff it's uh it, it's wearing it's wearing somewhat thin at this point yeah sure does maybe there is something in the local delivery inflections that just does it for audiences when watching the Lucky Stars. Or the style of skit humor. The, you know, the one note, go after girls, schemes as the boys do. Maybe that's simply hilarious to local audiences and I wouldn't stand in the way of that. Uh, so that's why they're spinning this record again. But if my Lucky Stars re- represented a drop of sorts, Twinkle Twinkle has dropped to an eye on a abysmal and unbearable level. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the action is fantastic. Yeah, you have to withstand a whole lot of BS in between. Uh, The effort resides in the other movie. It really feels like another movie, the action scenes. uh, And that effort is is exemplary with the action hard man. And it's astonishing and physical. And uh, it has the rewind factor. How did they do that? It's just marvelous. But it's in a package that's so offensively unfunny for the majority of the time. And those action elements don't save the film. You can't... Like, like, like there's two grades here. Like, one star and essentially four and a half. But that doesn't make it a, a successful grade for me. It really doesn't. Uh, but the, the movie has a place in iconic action cinema. And Sam rules, but not the lucky stars. Uh, so th- that's why th- this is, for me, the worst film by far. Um, not a lot of fun um, outside of the action. So again, we come back to the, uh, the rather odd j- joke that opens the film. You know, the, the somber opening on the history of, of the atomic bomb, technological advancements, uh, but the lucky stars have not progressed. So <laughs> because they cut from the stock footage to a narrator saying, "By the way, this has nothing to do with the film. Here's the lucky stars." Yeah, huh. Exactly. Yeah, okay. and I think that's supposed to be it. You know, so like. This is all happened and stuff. This is the you know advancement. This is the the wars that are happening and everything else. And and here's the lucky stars. They're they're the same. 
Now it doesn't really translate. There are a couple of good gags here. A good opening gag of Samuel weighing himself on two scales, being very, very <laughs> satisfied. Like, yep, this is working. I'm in top, tip top shape. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't have to do with wooing. Like, like there's a good, good visual gag there. Sibel, who of course is not helpless as she beats Charlie Chin after his unwarranted advancement. Advancement that is a good thing. And then we're quickly on holiday, so it seems like. We're on the road, we're on the move, and we're going to get a good variation of action and comedy, but it doesn't feel like it is a good variation. It feels like we're stuck with the lucky stars and these uh, samey gags, you know. Uh, you know it, it's just tiring, Feel Like, never mind the political incorrectness of it all. We can leave it out of the discussion. It's just not very funny. No, it's not funny. That's the thing, isn't it? And I can be, by the way, uh, pardon me, I can be shamelessly on board with the lowest of the lowest of jokes, but I'm not when you see the guys on the beach digging a tunnel underneath the beach to get underneath the ladies and watch them from underneath. And that sounds like so surreal that it should be funny that the guys go to such lengths. But I was seriously contemplating all manner of things and and not engaging in the film at that point. Because I was like, <laughs> this record again? Again? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's what I said. It's the monotony of it. You know, yeah, you get, you get this quirky at the first and then it's like, mm, it's, it's drying in the second. And the third, they're just doing it and regurgitating. That's what it is, regurgitating the same old thing. It's just not funny. Do something different. Put them in a different situation, doing something, not, you know, chasing the women and stuff and degrading and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just not, it's just not funny. It, and it is cringy at times. It is too. Um, maybe this was never acceptable, but there are a couple of instances where they utilize their opportunities to sort of sexually assault them really you know when they when Eric Stein like jumps into Rosamund Kwan's arms and then tries to get their hands on her bum or whatever and they, it's 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 kind of, no it, it's not for me no and, and look Rosamund Kwan looks fabulous by the way as great she always does she looks you know pretty as a peach and stuff so it's, it's probably just some of that's like why well, don't want those guys all over and stuff it's just not funny anyway so yeah, it just doesn't work. Even even then, it doesn't work, and even now, it doesn't work. And it didn't. This isn't a this isn't a about being politically correct now. And oh, they're just saying it now because we're all politically correct. No, that's that's rubbish. It wasn't funny then, and it isn't funny now. It just wasn't. You know, remember this was released just a few months after the first, so no wonder they are repeating gags and working the formula to get it done. Uh, but I do like Samuel's through line of romance in the films, you know, going from the sweet stuff in Winners and Sinners. Here he's let down by, by Sibel Hu. So, uh, so Samuel doesn't run around like with a 24-7 boner like the other guys. He can still be a lovable kid to a degree, but uh, he, he does partake in some of the bad stuff. Samuel's the real winner in this piece and stuff. But um, they just like say so the comedic just doesn't, doesn't really work, to be honest. It doesn't. And I find like uh, I I don't really like anyone in the group, and I especially don't like Stanley Fung's like aggression. He's like <laughs> bullying Eric Tsang constantly and beating him. He's angry at him all the time, and I don't find that funny at, at all. Like you know when they have dinner at night with the girls, trying to impress them, saying that they're, they're they've invested in the stock market, and then Stanley says to Eric, "It's your time to tell a joke. Tell it, tell it, motherfucker." 
and Eric starts crying, you know, which is annoying in itself, the way he performs that. But it's just obnoxious, an obnoxious comedic tone. Like the bullying aggression is obnoxious and just grating and annoying to me. And, and yes, the girls are not dumb, thankfully. They realize these advances are being made and the, the guys are not going to get into their pants. And that, that setup of like the, the guys are dumb, the guys are idiots, doesn't make it shamelessly fun or witty. It, it's just... It's just tiring to go through that over and over of them not uh, getting any. Look, it's Sam Hong directed it. So, you know, and he's, he knows the formula because they've done it before and stuff. And it was, you know, it, it sells clearly with the, the, the box office takes and stuff. So, you know, that that it takes, it just doesn't translate very well, to be honest. It just, it, no, it's just not funny. And this is why, you know, those kind of films put me off watching comedic films you know that's how that's how bad it was. It put me off watching other comedic films from from Hong Kong and the likes. And you know I stuck to my action rigidly for many many years because it just didn't translate very well for me. Then it doesn't translate very well now. But when it's done right, it is funny and stuff. You know, there's always um, jokes that are, are more translatable, obviously from from that side. But yeah, it, it wasn't something that you know I wanted. And therefore, oh, I need to get into comedies now. I mean, quite quite the reverse. That you know I was. Um, off by by it so you you're absolutely right it was like can we get it over and done with and get to the next action scene please in, in the record that has been again that it's at least mildly successful is uh, richard's uh, exploration of uh, adding uh, supernatural skills to his uh, yeah. to, to his <laughs> yeah. uh, skill set and in this uh, one they add voodoo or witchcraft as they uh, yeah. as they uh, translate it here uh, I don't even remember it being that funny in my lucky stars. It probably was, but the, in the in the first one, it's genius. Uh, here, it's a little sequence that at least elicits a chuckle because uh, the the point is that Richard thinks he's got the the skill set down, and he doesn't. So Kara Hoy, for instance, realizes what what they're doing with the voodoo doll. Like, let like, st- stick the needle in there, and she'll love you forever and ever. Like uh, they do test it out, if you will, or it gets inadvertently tested out on Wu Ma, who then acts a feminine. Hello, darling. It is a bit child. You know what, though? It isn't that funny, and it's it's wearing thin, but it's written, and he's just funny. He's one of those guys you just look at and smile. You know what I mean? It's quite the opposite of, you know, Stanley Fung who comes over, like I say, just comes over as cross and stuff and just doesn't work. But, you know, Richard comes out and he's got that twinkle in his eye and stuff. So, you know, you, you're smiling at him anyway in the circumstances. He's probably not as funny as the others and laugh at so uh, funny. But, it, it, you know, it's a better bit. It really is. It's um, even, Yeah, it's a better bit. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's uh, over and done with, uh, they don't carry through that thread. Um, that much or at all after this, after the, the girls reveal that we, we know what you're doing again. And uh, Kara Hoy is one of the girls, Sandra mm, Season Ma from Boat People, uh, from that old movie Boat People. Uh, they're, they're the girls in the first half of the film. Uh, but, but but that the girls see through that the guys are idiots again doesn't make for a good comedic through line. It's not witty. And Sammo seems absent for most of it because his character is heartbroken, yes, but. Uh, it see it seems like he's away from a couple of the lucky stars uh, scenes, uh, but but yeah, it was like printing money and um, innovation in comedy, perhaps not, but the, the full on commitment takes uh, place in the action. And isn't it still kind of jarring? It's great, 
But isn't it still kind of jarring that all of a sudden we have a crime film going on and we cut to the warehouse? <laughs> like it, it's almost hysterically jarring that do, do these things co- coexist? Apparently they do. Here's Jackie, here's Andy, you and you, guns firing, kicking, like here we go. <laughs> or, or did someone tape over my thing if we're talking VHS days? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Just think, where did this come from? We didn't really care. I, I think it was like, it's great. It's Jackie. Right, we're going to have a fight. This is great. This is what I came for. This is why I paid my hard earned money to rent this video to watch this because this is what I came to see. And boy, does it impress. It sure does. I mean, uh, I like the warehouse scene because it's still of the Samo brand. Yeah, yeah. It's a mix of obviously hand-to-hand and kicking, but also gunplay and massive wire yanks when someone gets shot. And Jackie isn't doing anything fancy here. Most of the time, he's here to avoid being beaten and beating people up. So it's within the Samo brand, which I know is the least clever thing to say because so many people have said it. But seeing Jackie, action directed by Samo, never fails in my eyes because that extra power and that extra aggression and intensity looks so good on Jackie. Rather than if you think if you think uh, about a movie like Miracles, which is a lighter in touch, lighter in tone, and the set pieces aren't about beatings and being hurt. It's about yeah. avoiding and being very intricate and complex and uh, making an imprint that way, which he very much does in Miracles. And then you cut to... Uh, here in 1985, 1984, and seeing Jackie uh, being directed in such in so much of a hard way, and uh, it looks so much better on him because uh, it it fits him. It fits him. Yeah, it does, and I, I love that about it because you know you do see because Jackie the he's got you know the modest touch. It's comedic. It's lighter. It's always that. But you stick Samo with, in, from a, an action point of view directing him, and you get the hard Jackie, which is fantastic. It's tight. It's taut. It's not doing anything fanciful it's it's just looks powerful on screen he makes some he makes you know makes Andy Lau look great and stuff he's not the martial artist of the bunch but makes him look good as well and Jackie looks great you know what I mean it's just like I say from a, a an athletic physical prowess and stuff it was that time and stuff he looks great it, everything looks smooth and you know it's fantastic don't get me wrong it's not it's still the sequence in, in my lucky stars is up there but you know he brings the right people into compliments so you got you know your Philip Cozier yeah, uh, black cow wings, and you obviously dip way there and stuff. That yeah, all of a sudden a hard man turn up. And, you yeah, know, the hard men to fight against you know Yumbi or your Jackie Chan, and they allow you the face off. So you know he does it right. He knows who to bring in to make them you know look good and, and, and present those fight scenes. And yeah, yeah, you're in for a treat. And if anybody's not seen it, you know, skip all the the, the twaddle and and get to the action because that that first scene in the warehouse is because fantastic. you don't need context together with the My Lucky Stars is so barely connected, which speaks to the fact that they did this movie uh, very quickly, I'm sure. So if any sort of scene or bit can be extracted out of the warehouse that I deem a favorite, is probably many people's favorite, is is Yumbu's performance within this uh, scene, the whole thing with the flip of a somersault off a crate and then a spin kick. That looks so effortless and simple and probably is a 20, 30, 40 take endeavor to get right. Yeah, of course it is. And it's fantastic. And it's a gif of all gifts that goes around the internet and stuff. We see that on many a time. It's just fantastic. And it's one of those that anybody sees or, you know, asks who that is and they don't know. All of a sudden, it, it just 
propels them on a journey of Yimbiu and and that's why we loved him. That's why we've always loved Yimbiu for exactly that and stuff. We craved more of him when we saw that clip because my God, you know, look at him do this and then we, you know, we discovered him in other films and obviously the Jackie Chan films and outside of that. But you know, it's uh, it, that is probably the the pinnacle of the the warehouse fight from a fanciful point of view. Even though all of it put together is just a fantastic uh, scene. Yeah, yeah, because it's not like he does a kick off the crate, you know, it's mm. the flip and the somersault and, yeah. the, and one spin, I think. Yeah. Uh, but but if not, it's still an involved uh, thing that, uh, and you know, in all honesty, you can talk costume design here and they, they chose such like nice slimmed costume for very uh, trim men anyway. Yeah. So they look their best regardless, including Andy Lau. And yeah, yeah. that, uh, so, so it, it, it's this sequence where they put 100% into it and it paid off 100%. It's it's absolutely exemplary, the, these beatings. And and you're right about Andy Lau. He's doing admirable kicking work. He's working with performers coming in from a left and right. They're, they're not just face shots, then cuts to a stuntman. Uh-huh. You, you can see Magic Crystal and see the same thing. He participates in a large degree. And uh, then the doubling... Uh, is noticeable but not bothersome at all so he was willing to throw himself into the fray here and he he's always been like that uh, during this time anyway when he, he was able to do action still so what a tight uh, sequence and then and then we cut to the lucky stars again <sighs> yeah which is, uh, gets well, yeah and that's the you can see by the time do we have to do i have to really talk about it do we have to go through the scenes of them again trying to impress Rosamund Kwan. By I mean, just, I mean, even Yun Bu is here for some of the comedic banter as they meet up with John Chum, who's terrible in this film. I don't understand his purpose at all, and he's annoying as fuck. Uh, so, um, I, and I liked him in Winners and Sinners uh, quite a bit. He, he was the protective brother, I believe, of uh, Sherry Chung, and that, that worked out very well. It falls flat, this banter and this tempo between them. Again, the delivery might be lost on us, so I, I'll, I'll mm. give you that. But it just seems like tiring unfunny banter even with a new translation and and then they spin again speaking of repeating gags you remember in my lucky stars they staged a ninja robbery and they all run in like alternate like uh, another ninja and uh, someone gets to hug uh, sibel who they do it again here with the thing they they, they set fire to this uh, court they set fire nearly set fire to the house as much as I hate the sequence, I and I want to talk about it, I simply do not want to talk about it at all because it, it's the low point of the film because it's the it's the repetition of the late night scheme. Trying to they're there to protect Rosamund Kwan, but they're all trying to get near her and uh, grope her, uh, essentially like uh, uh, protect her from the fire, and then ask her to take her clothes off and go, get wet in the bath and. He's like, fuck right off. This is not even shamelessly funny. And no. I don't think it would have been good if the sequence had felt original. But it's it's double terrible because they did the very same thing in My, my Lucky Stars. They all go running in and out of the room and uh, each get a chance to you know, rest against her bosom and all of that. And I just think it's, again, we, we can set aside politically correctness, incorrectness. It's tiring. It just goes yeah. on and on and on and on and on, and I know with no, no, no attempt at funny banter. It's, you know, it's, the, the only bit I can take out of it as a as a solace and it just the, the only slight smirk that I had again is is written when they have all the clothes and they tie them up and he just drops it out the window. Yes, because it's a visual gag, not connected to the groping and wooing. That, that works. 
out of all of it, it's just a complete. They've just rehashed what they did before, which wasn't funny before, and it's still not funny again. He he, he actually has a second good funny bit because they're, they're apparently all loaded up with blood packs in their mouths uh, to reenact the same gag that oh my god I'm so sick and then he spits blood onto the wall and then turns to uh, Sibel um, Rosamund Kwan now you can kiss me in, in the hands of him you know he was good at that exactly uh, uh, so I'll give Richard two points here but um, man oh man it goes on for long I mean this movie could be 45 minutes long really <laughs> yeah oh god yeah it just it, it just drags doesn't it it's, it's just like no 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 don't see and and yes we get Michelle Yeoh's cameo as a judo instructor that's fine she takes care of business with Richard mm, and then Samo has a little judo fight with her but that whole sequence it, it does lead into the finale uh, the, the judo thing is fine uh, you know it's, it's great to see Michelle on her way to uh, dominating uh, female-led Hong Kong action cinema <laughs> dominating the world I knew she would bless her she made it but what but what the theatre class they go to and uh. enacting Shakespeare and I wrote in my notes and I think I said like out, out loud the fuck is this <laughs> and again I'm, I'm willing to let it boil down to that the local comedy can't be translated or uh, fairly but it's it's this like patchwork of unconnected ideas let's have them do theater for five ten minutes and then we lead into the action finale in the same location thank god we were at the end of the film by that point because that theater class was just offensively boring and all those guys It's even extended in Taiwan too, a little bit. <laughs> God Almighty! I, d- I don't know how you. I don't know how you manage it. I, I don't know how I managed to watch it um, again and kind of revisited it and stuff. But it, it is painful and stuff. I mean, there's a. a- I didn't. Look, by the way, part of me, I didn't look up if the export cut had uh, editing done to it. Um, so I'm going to leave that up in the air. If, if Twinkle Twinkle went dubbed into English, or for specific markets, where well, it was cut for five ten minutes or whatever but uh, mm-hmm. just seems like uh, a, a big old hurdle to get through to get to the finale we, we, which again it's great that we get the finale it's a five out of five sequence but I, i'm i'm not willing to say that it all it's all worth it i love seeing it but it's not worth it to go through it again i don't encourage fast forwarding through films like watch your film and get to your good stuff even if you hate the mid stuff i'm willing to waive that rule for this one fast forward for a good chunk of it and have a 45 minute long twinkle twinkle experience and you'll be set because the genius of the action is that they all get a moment Chung Fat gets a moment Yun Pyu gets a moment, Yasuaki Kurata gets a moment Jackie, Sammo Richard Norton and they're not small moments I feel they're all distinctive Mm, moments Um, so, what do you want to say about the finale in general? Any highlights for you? Any fighting highlights? Yeah, there's, there's highlights all over the place. I, I clearly, I think when I watched it, it was like, well, Jackie doesn't get to, he gets to fight a little bit, but not as much as stuff. But I think there was, uh, he had an injury, didn't he, and stuff. So, it was, that was kind of the first point. To, Apparently, his shoulder was bothering you. Yeah, exactly. So, I think Samo took over that from, from that side. But, um, I think it was a, the Richard Norton was the uh, the real winner here. There was a there was a sequence beforehand when he's chasing through and he, he gets Jackie and um, puts a bottle to his throat and says, "Look, you know, I'm not going to kill you because I'm I'm paid to do it, but you know, I could have done." Then he's menacing and he's like, "Oh, who is this guy? I like this guy. You know, I've seen seen Hong Kong films before and stuff. I've seen the foreigners, but I I like this guy. I didn't know much about him at the time. And that fight sequence with Sam. Now that's 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 the real winner." 
that is fantastic. It's so it's so good, and you can see, as you said, from the um, conversations with uh, Richard, that you know they go toe to toe. You can see the power. Samo's got some power, and, and Richard gives him a run for his money. I've not seen many people do that, but he does, and he goes toe to toe with him. Richard's a big bloke; he knows how to look after himself. Samo as well, and they they both take it literally on the chin. Obviously, and you could see that, and that's why it's so good. That's why Hong Kong action was so great in the day because they hit each other. You can feel it, and that comes through on the screen and stuff, and it's fantastic. You know, they don't shy away. There's no quick editing away and stuff. You see everything. You feel everything. The, this, for me, is the real winner. The, the, the fight scene between Richard and Samo is, you know, it's beautiful. There's little comedic moments as well. Yeah, and it works so well. But but you know what I want to say here is uh, Richard has said that, yes, there, there's full contact within reason and it's not like Samo was a tyrant that, oh, no. uh, that, that thought it was fun to beat yeah. up his performance, but it was demanding to a degree that no one else uh, demanded and you had to... Uh, take care of yourself and uh, so so he wasn't like just uh, uh, saying like 10 seconds before so I'm gonna uh, run 20 meters and kick you in the chest like he he worked (laughs) with his performers obviously but it was demanding and he even told a um, he told a story on, on the last interview we did that that was connected to Magic Crystal we were kind of doing some other stories that he was on the set of Heart of the Dragon and the accident with Chin Kalok had just happened where he uh jumps out the window of the restaurant and lands feet first in, uh, on the pavement, right? Yeah. Uh, he didn't see that, but he, uh, he he was on the set and then witnessed the second take that went well. And then he turned to Samo like, you got it, right? Like, that, that, that looked good. And Samo took a beat and then started yelling at everybody. And, I was <laughs> like, and Richard was like, what was wrong? Like, he needed to bounce better and harder. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds like a tyrant, but Samo wasn't this, uh, this sadist. Uh, he knew what he wanted and uh, it was not like Samo racked up a death toll using this style, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 so I think Richard understood that uh, me- this is demanding, but uh, it's not uh, illegal what he's doing here. Yeah, no, this is, you're talking old school Peking opera. These kids, you know, these kids, Jackie, Samo, yeah, and they'd all done that. They'd done it the hard way and stuff. The, the expectations, I imagine, from their teachers for them, they expected the same when they grew up and they got into the big chair and they expect only only the, and the, only the best and do it again. And it wasn't that they were doing it in an unsafe way or unprofessional way. They just wanted the best. And that's reflective of what you see on the screen. And don't get me wrong, you watch this and stuff, there's, um, there's a particular scene where uh, Richard is doubled for the double kick to the to the jaw and stuff. But what's the other scenes with um, Samo? The flip from the um, the table or through the glass window. That's Samo. That's Samo taking that. You know, what I mean, he might put his stuntman there, but he also he also took them. He also you know did what he needed to do to to show the action on the screen, and that comes out, and that that gives that realism to it. That gives that you know, vibrancy about it that you don't see and you, you never would see in Hollywood movies. I've talked about it before that John Wick comes as close as it probably can to a Hong Kong film, but you can't you can't do the action like Hong Kong film back in the day. This this was it. This is where it was at. This is, you know, why we love and I loved and got into gonna, you know, Hong Kong cinema in itself because of this, because of Samo. Um, and it's fantastic. It, it, it keeps going, you know. After Richard, you've got tennis rackets versus Sai. You know, it's it's fantastic. They come up with different things and stuff. They're just, you know, it's fantastic to watch. And 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 Jackie isn't excluded, by the way. He goes up against uh, Yasuaki Karata, so I wouldn't know that he had a 
an injury or anything like you you would know it watching something like Thunderbolt because he's so extensively doubled but uh, I, I wouldn't know that he had to take a little uh, breather and maybe a step back from his um, engagement in the film but uh, b- because as I said they all get uh, they all get moments uh, Yum Yu uh, does a particular uh, like uh, down facing kick in slow motion towards uh, Chung Fat I don't know what it's called but you know he, he does a move and the kick comes down towards Chung Fat so they all get their moments here and and the comedic moments within the fight uh, between Sam and Richard are actually brilliant because no one wants to show that they're uh, that something was painful um, and Richard's timing comedic timing is actually great because uh, he he's been battered around a little bit and Samo sort of looks at him and Richard shows he's in pain but then he straightens himself out and and I think the dub says nothing <laughs> like he, he dusts himself off and I think that that's great comedic timing and he's uh, he's actually shown some comedic chops even in Magic Crystal and and certainly in City Hunt he gets to be a funny villain too so so I really like the interaction there, but but you're right. Oh, each and every moment here works. It really does, and it's a lucky stars movie. Well, yeah, it's in a lucky stars. Thankfully, movie. they're not here as like we're the perverts that can fight and do mantis style and shit. Thankfully, they're barely there until it's over. Yeah, they stay they they stay out of it and stuff, which is which is great. Leave it to the professionals. Leave it to the boys that can. You know, the magic three. That's what we want to see on screen and stuff. That's what we love. The dragons back together. Uh, it's fantastic, worth every penny of admission. Like I say, just fast forward to get there and you'll be in for a hell of a ride because the boys do good. L- l- let's try and get some listener engagement here. Does anyone remember uh, if Return of the Lucky Stars, Ghost Punting and How to Meet the Lucky Stars have action highlights or not? Uh, I seem to remember Ghost Punting had a good finale. I, I-, I haven't seen that in 15, 20 years, but uh, I, I see- seem to remember wooing, 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 kicking, kicking. Wooing, 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 and then some good kicking towards the end. So, so do um do reach into your memory banks, uh, listeners. Return to Lucky Stars, Ghost Punting, How to Meet the Lucky Stars. Is is there is, is there action to be recommended in those films? Because I can't, I I have seen How to Meet the Lucky Stars. I seem to remember it was more of a gambling film. To be honest, uh, I I seem to remember many uh, scenes that at um, um, with people playing cards and at the end the entire hong kong film industry stops by in twinkle twinkle lucky stars and i don't mind spoiling that because who cares about this film <laughs> <laughs> then an elevator opens and someone says what's going on that you recognize and then someone else says what's going on that you recognize and does like at least 20 30 performers including george lamb i spotted george and chin yes, uh, yes. Ho and uh, moon lee was there all having one line what's going on and that delighted me because that is like a lunar new year comedy audience uh, playing into the audience's hands type of scenes like uh, recognition factor let's do that Uh, and focus less on the fact that uh, they they did thankfully Phil they didn't cap this film with the lucky stars actually being successful at wooing for once like uh, thankfully Uh, but but yeah, that's uh, that, that's a rotating cast of uh, notables uh, there stopping by and uh, walking out of the elevator. So it's amazing that you can all get there one there as one in one go. Well, exactly. Yeah, I don't know how they fitted in there, but yeah, it was nice to see and stuff. Oh, it's like oh yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. There's George. Yeah, that was George. Yeah, yeah, Phil. They were all in the elevator. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they all crammed in. No uh, filmmaking tricks at all. Good. Yeah, I, I thought so. That's that's good to know. 
Hong Kong elevators are the best. They're roomy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a little cameo parade towards the end, and uh, the audience is left uh, happy. I'm sure they they paid their ticket. More audiences came. This worked out, and uh, everyone was happy. Uh, the, 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 they didn't do a 19. Uh, 86 film with all of these guys as I said they, they started to split them up but um, it still had uh, commercial value uh, even in Lucky Stars Go Places so, where, which, which I wasn't a fan of but speaking of Andy Lau I mean in that one you have him like as this shining action star towards the end but it's the same thing you have to wait for the fucking thing to do the wooing and perversion and <laughs> then we get an ending with Samo and uh, crew and uh, Andy Lau looking his best so it's this waiting game that I'm not that fond of anymore. Anything else you want to say about Twinkle 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 Like Stars? Do you still have your VHS uh, tapes somewhere? Uh, somewhere, yes, I do. They're in the loft. My um, adventure up there the other day and stuff. So yeah, they're, they're, I've still got um, all those original boxes of some. Well, I think I've got this one because I, I still enjoyed the cover, even though Jason Owen in it um, a lot. But um, yeah, so I've got those. But um, yeah, for me again, you know, it, it's it's the same. You know, fast forward to the to the fight scenes. It's sensational. Um, Richard is fantastic in these films as well and stuff. I would like a good villain. He, he steps up to the plate along with the the seasonal professionals. But yeah, it's the uh, it's the action scenes where uh, the real winner is for me. Yeah, nothing else is really winning. That's for sure. So, uh, but when I watch it once and uh, on your rewatches, uh, don't feel bad about uh, fast forwarding through uh, the comedy stuff. Indeed. The one film, or maybe my lucky stars to a degree, but I remember being able to sit through that a bit easier. Uh, and then watching this, like, no, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And uh, watch, re-watch Winners and Sinners all the time for, for the actual good comedic bits. Uh, anyway, as for availability of uh, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, if you can play Region B Blu-rays, Eureka put out the first three films in one package with archival interview extras, new extras, uh, such as the Taiwanese extended cut of Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars and uh, the standard edition of this. Uh, they, they put out a limited edition with a booklet and maybe a fancier uh, slipcase, I don't know. But the standard edition of this free pack of films is still available. So um, you can, uh, if you want the limited edition, that, that is more expensive secondhand. But I'm sure there's enough extras on the disc to form a picture of... Um, the series as a whole uh, so i'm sure the booklet is great but uh, there's so much here that i'm sure um that uh, you, you'll get a handle on uh, why this series was the way it was and how it thrived in in the 80s in hong kong cinema so it's a recommended uh, package for sure trying package but a recommended package nonetheless let's uh, conclude this one then and uh, and again do let us know if you have any action memories of um, return of the lucky stars ghost punting and how to meet the lucky stars i'm quite uh, curious I'm, I'm, i've um, i don't have any editions of it readily available i've had some on vhs that have been uh, lost to time so uh, but uh, let's uh, round this one uh, often so for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of uh, podcast on fire episodes on uh, winners and sinners and my lucky stars and uh, now this uh, go to the website podcastonfire.com look us up wherever you find podcasts including apple podcast St- uh, not stitcher radio uh, stitcher radio is a thing of the past now so i have to remind myself not to say 
Stitcher Radio, but we're on Spotify and wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, check out our so- social media links and we'll start linking to our letterboxd as well so you can see our viewing uh, habit for better or worse. Like Ken's viewing habit, category free, category free, category free. <laughs> <laughs> you might have been opening up a can of worms there and stuff. My viewing habit's all over the place. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I've been going through my Eureka purchases, for instance, so putting up a review of that. And uh, over a couple of years, I've gone through the Chang Che filmography, you know, from One Arm Swordsman, and now I'm up to, uh, I'm, I'm, I've seen most of these, but I'm re-watching and rewriting some reviews, so I'm, I'm in the home stretch, I'm at the home stretch, in the home stretch of Chang Che films, uh, the 80s films, without any of the Venoms and all of that stuff, so, uh, yeah, so currently watching Shanghai 13, which is the last the last mm. big fighting film from Chang Che, because all the Shaw Brothers guys came back for for a big sort of a uh, uh, fight fest uh, uh, for Chang Chia. and it's a great film. I, lo- I love Shanghai Thirteen. So, yeah, but uh, check out our letterbox and all that good stuff. Anything else you want to plug before we go? No, no, you can find us uh, EasternFilmFans.co.uk, uh, YouTube for What's in the Box shows, um, and yeah, well, I'm around on Facebook and Twitter, so we're dropping us a line and Threads as well. I join join Threads uh, for, for some bizarre reason. It's a bit like Twitter. Um, no birdies there either. Um, but hey, yeah, you can find us around, drop us a line, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat. Excellent. That's us for this episode. So I've been Kenny B, and with me was Phil G. So say goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah.